0: Well, thank you, Deanna. Wonderful job, a beautiful song, and uh, good morning once again, church. It is a, a joy to be together this time of the year and to celebrate the coming of Christ, his entrance into the world, to redeem us and forgive us from our sins. I got to share a little bit of good news with you before uh, I get started on my message this morning. Um, I always uh, try, my, try my best to uh, somehow uh, up, update folks. We do two services, and so uh, when, when I can... I try my best to uh, to share with you, uh, maybe Sunday night, a lot of times on Sunday night, I'll share something that happened maybe in the second, second service. In the second service, I'll try to share, you know, a decision made or something from the early service and try my best to keep everybody, uh, you know, connected and to know what's going on in each service. So I, I've got to begin this morning by letting you know that we are just thrilled. Uh, we're tickled because last Sunday, in the 11 a.m. service, Uh, My eight-year-old son, Connor, uh, walked the aisle and gave his life to Jesus. And so uh, we're uh, we're we're really really proud of him, and we're thankful for that decision. That decision that I tell all of our children is the most important decision they'll ever make in their life. But uh, he came forward, uh, wasn't planned, wasn't expected. He just took off and and said, "Now now's the time." Uh, in fact, he gave us a few a few reasons why um, he he did it last Sunday, and uh, I got kind of tickled. He had three reasons why. He said, "Number one." Uh, I know you and mom have been praying for me, and uh, God answered that prayer. Uh, he said, number two, he said, uh, it was the 11 a.m. service, and there aren't as many people in that service. <laughs> he was a little bit, uh, little bit intimidated by coming up in front of everybody. And then he said, the third reason I came forward is because, he said, I was sitting there during invitation, and he said, I looked at the front of the bulletin, and the front of the bulletin said, today is the day, and so I came. <laughs> Somebody say amen. (laughs) And I hope that uh, today is the day for some of you as well this morning. And uh, just again, very tickled, very proud of him, very thankful for his decision to trust in Christ and uh, follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism here soon. Uh, This morning we begin a brand new series uh, through the Word of God uh, entitled, God with us. Uh, God with us. And this, this sermon series is just going to uh, have us looking at the Bible and looking at how Christmas was a promise fulfilled. H- how Jesus coming to earth was a promise that was fulfilled. It was given in the Old Testament, given in uh, as far back as the book of Genesis, something that God said that he was going to do, to send a Savior, to send a Messiah. And so we're gonna be spending some time on Sunday morning uh, looking at the promise of God fulfilled in Christ. And I wanna encourage you to be here every Sunday that you can, unless you're sick or providentially hindered in some other way, try to be here. Uh, Because we're going to just fix our eyes on Jesus. We're going to try to pull away from all the distractions and things that can clamor for our attention this time of the year. And just fix our eyes on Jesus. I love this time of the year. I I never get tired. I never get tired of Christmas songs. I never get tired of Christmas texts. I never get tired of the story of Christmas. And uh, I, I love just understanding more every year about these shepherds and about these angels. And Mary and Joseph and I love you know I've I've had young kids in my home for a long time now and I love seeing them just you know gazing into that manger scene and trying to understand uh, all that that Christmas is about. It's a joy to see kids trying to understand it and trying to put all the pieces together. Uh, I love the story that uh, I pulled a few years ago from one of our Southern Baptist devotionals uh, about. Uh, a a young girl that was in a a Christmas play, a preschooler that was in a Christmas play, and uh, she was excited, first place she'd ever been in, and uh, she was being quizzed at home by her her grandma and grandpa as to the the play and what part she was going to play in in the play and things. And so she said, well, she said, all the girls are going to be angels and all the boys are going to be German shepherds. And I think she just meant shepherds, but uh, how cute it is uh, to try to understand and and pull together all the different characters and the people and the stories. And I just love it all, and I never get tired of it, and I always look forward uh, around Christmas time to looking at those Christmas texts that remind us of the coming of Christ. If you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and turn with us to the book of Genesis chapter 3. This is certainly... Uh, This is certainly a a passage that you're going to want to make sure you're looking at. And so go ahead and turn in your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be looking in verses 1 through 21. Now, uh, we're we're not going to read through the entire text for the sake of time. Instead, we're going to kind of dive in verse by verse as we go. But as you turn there to Genesis chapter 3, you will probably quickly uh, recognize that this is the garden passage. This is the passage of, of Adam and Eve where uh, Adam was created by God from the dust of the earth, where he was put into a deep sleep, where Eve was drawn from his rib, where they were placed in this, this perfect paradise. We, we believe it was heaven on earth. A- and they were given a, a free will to obey or to disobey God. Uh, They were told there was one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they could not partake of. But everything else was was free. Uh, They were free to do, free to pursue. There there was no Ten Commandments. There was no Book of Commandments. It was one command, one law. Do not eat of this tree. Certainly, it was a test. It was a test to see uh, whether they were going to obey God or disobey God. And we know that being led by the enemy of God, the devil, who was an angel created perfect, but who rebelled against God, wanted to be God... ...and was thrust out of heaven, we know that the devil comes in, tempts Adam and Eve, and they partake of the fruit. The devil was successful because he led Adam and Eve to distrust the word of God. To be uncertain whether they could really trust what God said about that tree, about that fruit, and what would happen when they ate it. So here is the fall of mankind, the curse upon the world, okay... And then we're going to discover this morning and we're going to celebrate how Christmas time is a time to rejoice because Jesus came to reverse the curse. Jesus came to reverse the curse. We see here that after the enemy has come in and led Adam and Eve to distrust the Word of God. Verse 6 says that they enter in and we see that Eve takes of the fruit. Look at this, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now... What God had told Adam, Genesis chapter 2, God had told Adam, and then Eve repeats this in Genesis 3, what they knew is that the day that they ate of the fruit, bad fruit things would happen. They are told that in the day you eat, you will die. And certainly God, who is is a God who uh, doesn't leave us in the dark, I believe would have explained what that meant. But they were given a choice on whether to believe God or to not believe God. So in other words, when you disobey, bad stuff is going to happen. And we see in this passage that Uh, Bad stuff does happen. There's a curse upon the earth when Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. Verse 7, it says the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is one of the results of the fall, a spiritual nakedness, a sense of being uncovered before God. One of the results of the, f- the fall is distance between us and God. I want you to notice how that led to them seeking to hide from God. Look in verse 8 of your Bible. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, uh, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So one of the things that sin does is it creates distance, a felt distance, a real distance between us and God. We want to hide in our sin. That's why when many times when people are living in sin, Um, They maybe don't want to get in the Word of God, or they don't want to pray, or they don't want to go to church, or they don't want to listen to the preacher. One of the results of the fall is that there's distance between us and God, and Adam and Eve run to hide from the Lord. But God pursues. Would you say that out loud? God pursues. One more time. God pursues. We see God pursuing out of his love for Adam and Eve that he created. We see God pursuing them. Notice this. It says here in the Bible that as they're hiding, verse 9, the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? I want you to understand something, church, about the questions of God in Scripture. The question here that God asked, Adam, where are you? It's not a question that God is asking so he can gain information. God knows right where they're at because God knows all things. And God's people said, amen. So God is not asking to gain information. God is asking to gain a confession. He wants Adam to admit where he is. And so God says, where are you? In verse 10, Adam answers and said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Make note, that's another result of the fall, fear. All fear that we deal with, right? All fear that we deal with can be related back to our not trusting God as we should. Fear comes from the fall. Adam and Eve are now afraid. He says, because I was naked, so I hid. Then God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then notice verse 12. Another result of the fall, avoiding personal responsibility. Notice this. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Nothing's changed since the garden, okay, amen? Uh, we're still avoiding blame. In fact, my friends, Adam throws Eve under the bus before buses had even been invented, huh? And here they're playing the blame game. And I want you to notice that worse than Adam blaming Eve, did you actually see that Adam blames God? It's the woman that you put here with me. One of the results of the fall is that we mess up, we sin, and then we don't take ownership for our sin. We explain it away or we ignore it. Or we compare our sin to others and and think we're not that bad, or we just won't admit when we when we mess up. One of the results of the fall is we don't take personal ownership for when we do wrong, and that's still true today. Yesterday, uh, we were out. uh, Yesterday morning, we were out and about as a family, and we returned home and uh, we found that a frozen a frozen yogurt pop. Uh, had been left on the counter and it had top was cut open and it melted and it was all over the counter. And so as we walked in, uh, Jessica noticed it right away. And so she, she had already we we had kind of been uh, coaching the kids to 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 pick it up a level to raise it up a notch. Andrew had a birthday party. He just uh, he's turning 7 here soon. He had a birthday party Friday night at the house and lots of candy. They had a piñata and there's candy, lots of candy. And we noticed that the kids especially our two youngest, were just like opening their candy and just leaving wrappers all over the living room floor and stuff like that. So we had to have a come to Jesus meeting. Parents, y'all understand what that is? So we had to have a come to Jesus meeting. They they were already, you know, know, kind of in trouble for that. And so when she comes in and she sees this frozen yogurt pop that had just been cut open and left there on the counter and it's all over the counter she just kind of had enough and so she says hold cut everybody back in the kitchen every hey kids back in the kitchen I want everybody in we just talked this morning about responsibility I want every kid back here in the kitchen Well, I just stayed in the other room (laughs) because I didn't want to be there for that. And uh, she just, just, I tell you what, my, my wife Jessica, she is loving, she's kind she's patient. but How many of you know that uh, Popeye would get to the point where he had all he could stands and he couldn't stands no more? Y'all know, remember that? Well, that's kind of where she was at this moment. And so she is on them. She's drilling them. I mean, it's tense, church. It is tense. She's going Perry Mason on them, dark room, bright lights on all the suspects, right? And so she's looking for a confession and nobody's confessing. And it's getting very tense. And she just says, kids, one of you is going to confess or all of you are going to be in trouble. And it is so tense. And so I decide, well, I'm going to walk in here and just kind of assess the situation. She's not giving it up. Somebody's going to confess. And I was hesitant to walk in because it was so tense. I was also hesitant to walk in because I was the one who left that on the counter. And I knew it. And I found myself as your pastor. I'm going to just be honest with you guys. I, I'm a real guy, all right? I'm like you. I'm real. I found myself, right, when all this was going on, just kind of hanging out in the other room, wondering if it would just pass, right? And I was like, it's not going to pass. She's, she's going to, she's, I don't know what she's going to do, but they're going to be in trouble, and it's my fault. And so I walked in, and y'all were going to be so proud of me you really are. I walked in and I confessed. I walked in and I said, I left it on the counter. (laughs) I'm so sorry. And uh, Jessica's frown went to a smile. She's a great sport. All the kids just Oh, thank you, Dad. You know what I mean? This was getting ugly. But, but, but uh, we all had a good laugh about it that what she was going to pin on the kids was actually this big kid's fault, right? And what I remember thinking is just how, how, how wrong it is that I would like sit in the other room when I did it and kind of like, I hope this passes, right? Uh, hesitant to admit I was wrong. I'm the irresponsible one. And we see that happening in the garden here. Blame going all around. Well, here in the midst of this, we see God begin to lay some curses upon the world, upon mankind Upon creation. I want you to notice some of the curses that we see. And I want you to be reminded. I've I've said this before, but here's my basis for saying it. We don't live in a perfect world. We live in a messed up world. We we live in a a fallen world. This world's not perfect. And it's not all that God originally intended it to be. It's a cursed world because of a three-letter word sin. And every suffering, every bit of evil, every tear, every wrongdoing, every, all the bad news we see on TV in the newspaper bears to testify this. God was right and we, we can trust him. Let's say that. God was right and we can trust him. He said that when they ate of the fruit that God told them not to, that death would enter into this world, and it did. Look at these curses here. Verse 14, I believe he turns first of all to the snake. I, I believe, my thought is that Satan entered a snake and used that as a vessel in this temptation. And I think it's clear that it is a snake because God compares the serpent here, verse 14, or the snake to all livestock and all wild animals. He says, because you've done this, because you've been a part of this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will, it reads, you will now crawl, on your belly, and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. This has led scholars to believe that before the fall, snakes did did not crawl on their bellies, that they either had legs, or even worse than that, if you're creeped out by snakes, they could fly. How many of you get a little creeped out by a flying snake? Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you won't sleep for a month? Let me see your hands. Yeah, just thinking about that. We move forward in this passage, we see that there's a curse upon the woman, upon Eve, upon women. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. We see relational conflict that would come from the fall. Verse 16b, it's a very complicated verse of Scripture to understand and make sense of in the Hebrew. The NIV translates, translates it, your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you, or he will lead you. And this connects to God's intention that Adam, who was made first, has the responsibility. Listen to me, men. We as men have the responsibility before God to lead our family in Christlikeness. We're called to lead. But now, what would have been perfect is very imperfect because we're now imperfect men trying to lead an imperfect family. And so this desire for Eve, for her husband, might be the sense that there's this sense of tension. Who's going to lead? Who's going to call the shots? Who's going to make the decisions? Now an imperfect man is leading an imperfect marriage, an imperfect family. The fall created a, a rocky relationship, or all relationships now are hindered by the fall. Verse 17, To Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, And to dust you will return. Here's the last curse from the fall. We have to die now. Remember, God had said, the day that you eat of it, you will die. I believe God was speaking of spiritual death on the day. That's that separation between us and God. The day that Adam and Eve ate, they died spiritually but that would lead to an eventual physical death. They would not be able to live now forever on earth in this perfect condition. They would die. What's very interesting here as we move into verse 20 and 21, there's a lot of negative, bad, dark, depressing stuff here. Death, right? God said the day you eat of it, you will die He's just talking about you're going to return to the dust. You're going to die. This passage is dark. It's death. It's, it, it's, it's gloomy. But look at verse 20 of your Bible. Verse 20 of your Bible. The Bible says that Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living. And as you read this, it's almost like you ask yourself a question. And by the way, The the word Eve means to live, to live. Ask yourself a question, how does Adam come up with such a positive name for Eve and for coming out of this situation when all we've heard is death, darkness, destruction, and curses? It's because of what God said in one verse that you might have noticed I skipped over when I was reading, and it's verse 15. Look with me in your Bible if you would, verse 15. In verses 14 and 15, it's as if God is speaking to the snake and then he turns his attention to Satan who inhabited or possessed the snake. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. I believe this is between the devil and people. The devil's our enemy. And between your offspring and hers. Her, You're the devil's offspring, I think the lost. Her offspring, the saved. And then he is used out of offspring. From the plural, like offspring, to a he, a singular, a person. He will crush, speaking to Satan, he will crush your head. You will strike his heel. And so there is a he that Satan is going to injure, there'll be a strike to the heel, but the one who has his heel struck... Will crush the head of Satan. Now church, I want to ask you this morning, would you rather have a heel on your, bru- a, a bruise on your heel, or would you rather have your head crushed? Let me ask you this: How many of you would rather have a bruise on the heel than to have your head crushed? Let me see your hands. Yeah, All the hands ought to go up in this place. My friends, Genesis 3 and 15 is called. The first gospel. It is a prophecy of the Messiah, of Jesus who would come. Jesus who would come and have his heel bruised, he would be wounded, he would suffer, but he would not be ultimately defeated. And my friends, this passage long ago in Genesis 15 points to the fact that the devil, though he would wound Jesus, though Jesus would go to the cross, my friends, Jesus would not stay in the grave. Jesus would rise again. And when he did, through his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, He crushed the head of the enemy in that work. And we celebrate that. And we know that's why he came at Christmas time. In fact, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, a familiar Christmas passage. Matthew chapter 1, we read here, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Verse 20, verse 18, I'm sorry, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of Mary, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He comes to save us from the curse. The name Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. And Jesus came, listen my friends, where Adam stepped to the plate and struck out, Jesus stepped to the plate and delivered a grand slam home run. Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, the one who came and did right what Adam did wrong. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, uh, 21, 22, and 45 says, For since death came through a man... Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And Adam and Eve believed this promise of a Messiah, of a Savior, of a Redeemer who would come and crush the head of the enemy. And then I want you to notice back, go back if you were to Genesis chapter 3, I want you to see how this passage ends. A beautiful picture of the cross, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now my friends, we don't see, we, the Bible doesn't tell us what animal this was, but I believe this was a lamb. lamb was a primary sacrifice in the sacrificial system as God's people were taught that there is a price associated with sin. Some, some, someone must pay a price because of God's grace. It was innocent animals in the sacrificial system that paid the price for people's sin to, contempt, or to, to temporarily cover them. It would have never, never covered them eternally, but to temporarily cover them until Jesus could come. When Jesus was identified by John the Baptist as he started his ministry, John the Baptist said in the Gospels, as he pointed to Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My friends, Jesus came to reverse the curse. And this morning the question is this. What are you doing to cover your sins? What God did in this passage is remind us that we can't cover our sins. We can't fix our sins. God had to do it. We can only be covered in His righteousness. We can only be covered in His blood, only be covered in what He does. How are you trying to cover yourself, your spiritual nakedness this morning? I want you to know this morning I love you with all of my heart. But you can't can't cover your spiritual nakedness just because you're a church member just because you're a Baptist, just because you come to church, just because you give in the offering plate, the only way you can be covered in your sins, the only way you can be clothed with righteousness this morning is by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we close, as we enter into our time of invitation, I want to ask you this. Have you said yes? Have you embraced, have you, have you opened the greatest gift that's ever been given? It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we enter into our time of invitation? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. Are you clothed this morning? Are you clothed in the righteousness of Christ this morning? my friends with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're not, you're going to miss heaven. You're going to miss out on the the, the fulfillment of the reverse of this curse. For the day is coming, church, when our life comes to an end or when Jesus returns to get us. There's coming a day where there, there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more farewells. There will be no more death. I want to make sure you get in on that. And you can do that right where you're at by saying, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. Lord Jesus, I know you were born for me. Jesus, I believe you grew up. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you died for my sins on a cross. And I believe you rose again. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I want to turn from my sin. And I want to turn to you. Lord Jesus, save me from my sins. Forgive me and come into my life and lead me for your glory to live a life pleasing to you. Lord, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed to trust in Christ, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate that. And our invitation time is a time to share publicly what God's doing in the privacy of your own heart. And so if you've been saved today or if you've been saved recently, and you still need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, if you need to recommit your life, come down and pray and give a burden to the Lord or join with this church body. Whatever your decision is this morning, that's what the invitation time is for. And so at this time, trusting the Lord to move on your heart and you be obedient, let's stand and let's sing our song of invitation. You come if God's speaking to you this morning.